Welcome to episode three of Blunt Norse Trauma, the 2021 season. I am one of your hosts, JB. On the other end, we have Sarah. Sarah, how are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I felt my voice crack. I felt like Peter <laughs> Brady as we started tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to start. Um, Sarah, we got a lot to talk about with today being cut down day. So let's let's just get right into it here. We can... A quick recap of the Vikings' final preseason game, uh, which they lost 28-25 to Kansas City. Most of the points came uh, our backups versus their backups, guys that aren't even with the team anymore, which we'll get into later. Uh, What did you see from this game? Anything good that you got out of it uh, or anything you just don't know yet? What what did you see? I I watched the game – I watched the first half of it. Uh, did not get to see the second half. Uh, I had TV issues, but uh, I did follow what happened in the second half. But give me what you saw in this game. Um, well, it kind of goes into the little bits that I prepped for today. Um, kind of a good, bad, and ugly kind of deal, since now this is uh, the NFL's way of saying, okay, you survived preseason. You might have enough players left to have a roster. Um, at this point with the injuries and all that. But as far as the last preseason game, at least offense scored some touchdowns. Uh, Even if it was our fourth string no longer with the team offense. Uh, A.J. Rose Jr. had a couple of nice rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, at least there's that. We could see the offense could score. Other than that, we really don't know because we are our first string on offense and defense didn't play long enough to see what we even had. No, and that was kind of the story of the preseason for the Vikings. Uh, They held back the starters and everybody's got a different strategy about it. I mean, Tampa let Brady played quite a bit in this final, his final preseason game. I did see a lot of teams that were going with their starters for quite a bit. Uh, over the week, Mahomes was playing. Yeah, yeah, Mahomes played quite a. Uh, he played like the first half. I know Josh Allen got a lot of snaps in for Buffalo. So I guess it just depends. You know, some some say it's good when you one way is good. Some say you know sitting them is good. Some say playing them is better. Right, I can see. I can see both sides. Um, because when we do have a very bad history of stupid injuries and things. Um, So that's good that we kind of held out our potentially problematic players for the most part, except for a couple of exceptions that we'll have to talk about later. Um, But I mean, Adam Thielen almost went out with an injury after like two snaps that could have been very, very ugly. So I can see definitely where they might not want to play people. But on the other hand, is everyone going to be rusty for Bengals week? Yeah, and that's kind of the the side of it you wonder about. Uh, We will see. I think the first game, it'll just, we'll see if the strategy worked. Guys like Dalvin Cook, you can't put him out there. I'm sorry. I know he's talented. He's an injury waiting to happen. He's got a history of it. Yeah, you can't do that. And then, like you said, with Adam Thielen, you almost lost your one a wide out on a horribly thrown ball that probably shouldn't have been thrown. 
yeah, and that, that's not in the preseason. You don't want that. I mean, you're you're going to get bad throws and stuff. I, there's a timing thing. There's a little bit of that that you have to get together. So that's going to happen. But yeah, you don't want it happening with your one A whiteout out there. And we did, Je- you know, Jefferson was nowhere to be found either. They're they're trying to keep these guys healthy for the regular season. And part of it, I think, is because there's not a lot of depth. I really don't see it. Uh, I just didn't. I didn't see anything in the back end. This is, oh, I, I feel comfortable something happened to one of our top guys that this person could step in. I didn't see a lot of it. Maybe a little bit on defense, but on offense, not at all. Right. And that brings up the other big injury that we didn't, I guess, even know happened during the actual game. But uh, Herb Smith Jr. um, now has a meniscus tear. Yeah, we talked about that, too. I don't know when it happened. And I think people said they watched tape and didn't know when it happened. And this is one of those injuries. And you, you can speak to it better than I can. This could be something not so big, but it could be something that he's gone for the season and maybe longer. Can you kind of elaborate on that, Sarah? Right. There's two repair procedures that they could possibly be doing. One is a partial repair, um, and that is more for speed and just getting people rehabbed and back to their normal lives. Um, It has a, a usual, like recovery time of about six to eight weeks, which would put them right around the bye week being able to come back. Now that's good for the offense. However, it's not good structurally for that knee um, because a meniscus tear, they, they call it a repair surgery. It's really not. They're trimming the membrane, the meniscus to remove the damaged portion of it which leaves less of the knee protected by the the meniscus tissue and also allows for later on, basically the rest of it has to get removed at some point because it's going to re-injure itself. Um, Now they can do a full repair, which is basically removing the entire meniscus and like irrigating the knee, um, things that they need to do in order to recover. However, a full repair surgery, typical recovery time, can be anywhere from on an athlete who's working out, running around on their feet more often, it actually slows the recovery time in general um, because you're straining the knee to recover. It can be up to four months, which is the entire season. Doesn't sound good, Sarah. It doesn't sound good to me either way, honestly. Right. So unfortunately, I don't know that we'll see Herb Smith Jr. Um, as much as we both wanted to see if he could break out, what kind of season he was going to have. Um, as much as both of us were a little worried about getting rid of Kyle Rudolph, um, just because of the depth behind him. Well, that depth is now down to Brandon Dillon, Tyler Conklin, and some guy called Chris Herndon that we just acquired from the Jets. Yeah, Herndon's one of those. Everybody's kind of been waiting to see if he was going to be anything big. Um, I guess he's uh, he's been Mr. Potential. You know, he's got a lot of potential. I thought yeah. we gave up. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sarah. As an essay, I mean, potential's nice, but I mean, we have potential with 
you know, Tyler Conklin as well, but I don't really trust our entire blocking and uh, tight end scheme to someone who's a, a nice depth piece. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know a lot about him. I need to see some video and some tape on. I, I think he can block. He, I hope he can block because, you know, somebody said, well, what do we go out and spend a, a four and a six on, on a tight end for, you know, to get a blocker. And I pointed out the Vikings don't throw to the tight end. So they need a blocker. Not they, anymore. And yes, we do need a blocker uh, because David Morgan, who went out with a very similar knee injury, actually, uh, was the blocking tight end. And then Kyle Rudolph in his last several years here became the blocking tight end and neither of whom are on the team anymore. No. And, and this is, again, they, they target the tight end that Conklin had what 20 some targets. So overall between three tight ends, they, I don't think they made it to a hundred targets for the year. Yeah, this, no, it was about, yeah. What? 30, 30 something each for Kyle and Irv. Yeah, and then about 20 for Tyler. Yeah, so about 80 targets. Yeah, roughly 80, 80 to 90 targets. So, you know, the Vikings didn't have, essentially didn't have a tight end one like some teams do. You know, we don't have that. They didn't have the Travis. And I don't want to say they didn't have a Travis Kelsey. They don't have that mindset where they throw to the tight end. They, they stopped doing that. Yeah, not like years past where it was Rudolph the Red Zone Reindeer. Yeah, exactly. He was he was the man, and all of a sudden they just totally abandoned using him in the passing game, and that's why I think fans got a little – well, they were happy to see him go because of the $9 million he was making, and all of a sudden he became old, which doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe right, he was old making, and useless. Yeah, old and useless, right? He was, he was old. Kyle Rudolph was old and useless. He was, if you want to say he was too expensive for what they were using him for, that's fine. I get it. That's an argument. Yeah. He wasn't old or useless. (laughs) He he didn't really, they didn't appreciate, yeah, they didn't appreciate the blocking game. No, no. He was very useful as a blocker. He, and when they threw to him, he caught the football. Uh, he, he's the guy who won playoff game in new Orleans. Just, just, I mean, and got two touchdowns and a two point conversion against the Cowboys with uh, one great one-handed catch. Yeah. That was a heck of a catch. That was one of the best catches I had seen uh, out of a, not even just a tight end out of any receiver, but so the whole argument that Kyle Rudolph was old and washed up, that doesn't fly with me. Tell me, tell me he's making $9 million to get 36 targets. Okay. That that's a legitimate argument. Don't tell me he's washed up. I think the giants are going to learn how to use him. And I think he's going to have a pretty good year bounce back here. Quite honestly, for uh, me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. yeah, go ahead. Uh, I guess we can get into the, the roster moves now that we kind of started the roster cuts and the moves uh, with the addition of Herndon in the trade. There wasn't really a lot sitting out there. I looked at the free agent tight ends. Most of you know, we could have maybe Trey Burton possibly would have been a worth uh, a look. Tyler Eifert, who has a history of injury problems. Jordan Reed, same. Kelvin Benjamin is 
still listed as a tight end. So hasn't he been around for like a long time? Yeah, he's eaten himself out of positions basically. His he's had weight issues and now he just beefed up, tried to be a tight end. That didn't work out for him, so he's now a free agent. Tim Tebow's still out there. He was trying to be a tight end too. Yeah, he was boy, the the blocks he he whiffed on (laughs) in his yeah. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. He's not a bad guy. I like Tim Tebow as a person, but it's time for Tim Tebow to call it a career, I think. It really is. Right. Yeah. He's made a lot of money being a guy who's on the fringe of everything, though. I mean, I have to give him that. He's lasted a long time in pro sports for a guy who really has never excelled at them. So there's something about the guy. I mean, everybody wants to give him a shot. Uh, so right. He's a good character guy. I, I don't know, but in terms of a professional athlete, not so much. Um, yeah. We caught Everson, and he's going to come back, though, right? I, yeah, I was just reading about that. I was a little sad to see he didn't make the 53-man, but then someone pointed out online that we can just bring him back next week. Yep. Because we've got, like, five guys that could go on injured reserve, including Herb Smith Jr., so we'll have roster spots open. Yeah, I, so. I, at first I was a little taken back by that cut. And then when I read into it, it's like, oh, all right, it's 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 not as bad as it looks. Um, Jake Browning is gone. Yeah, so is Nate Stanley. We have yeah. two quarterbacks. Yeah, Nate. Well, Nate went on an injury thing. Yeah, but he, and Browning went because, well, it was time. It, it was well past time for Jake Browning to be gone. We see some more than enough of Jake Browning. And yes, we have two quarterbacks. Uh, what do you think? You think Mond is good enough to be the backup? I mean, he's got to be better than Sean Mannion. He can't be worse than Sean Mannion. Well, that's still up for debate. I still think we need a veteran QB too. Well, you know, there's a guy who just came on the market today. Nick Foles. No, Cam Newton. Uh, no. I don't it, like the idea of Cam Newton either. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll not go into the obvious reasons why, um, but one, his wardrobe choices, and two, the distraction in the locker room. Yeah, I think between that and the big elephant in the room, I don't think we need that kind of circus in the locker room. I don't, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think he's a bad guy. Honestly, I don't think Cam Newton's a bad guy, but I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think he's worth the distraction at this point, but I did see people out there. They wanted Cam Newton on their own. Hey, go get Cam. He's out there. And I, I didn't get it. Uh, he's going to want a lot of money and he's not going to want to come in and be a backup. I don't think he wants to be a backup. Right. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I mean, we, there's some other ones that we could try for, but no one really jumps out. I mean, at least at this point, Nick Foles is used to being a backup quarterback. He's actually better if he's a backup and not a starter. That would be a really interesting pickup. It Foles, would, considering the history. Yeah, Foles would be an interesting pickup. Um, and the other one I thought of was maybe Blake Bortles. But I know Bortles, right, Blake Bortles is floating out there somewhere. 
I don't, you know, I don't mind Bortles as an extra. I know he gets a lot of flack for what happened in Jacksonville, but he did take that team to an AFC title game. I mean, he threw a touchdown to himself. Yeah, and that's not easy to do. That's uh, that's a rare I mean, thing. Ask Brad Johnson. Wasn't he the the Viking that actually managed that feat? Uh, I believe it was Brad Johnson who caught his own pass for a touchdown. And I know Marcus Mariota did it too. Yeah. In the playoffs. So, yes, it is rare. Uh, Brett Favre's first completion of his career was to himself. Right. But it did not yep. go for a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a couple other big notable names that are finally gone are friends Samia and Dozier. How funny that you brought that they were next on my list. I actually had them in the same order, so I'm glad you brought them <laughs> up. <laughs> they got more yeah. than enough opportunity in Minnesota, Sarah. We know that. Yes. Uh, Samia kind of shocked me that he didn't develop better. I thought he was going to be decent. But, I think he got thrown in the deep end a little too soon for development. Um, you know, when everyone was saying, hey, you know, he can't be worse than Elfline, that's kind of a danger sign right there. Sarah, I think the loss of Tony Sperano has really been a bigger impact on this team than a lot of people will, will say. Yeah, because those offensive lines were actually developing. I mean, if you look back at what we had in 2017 compared to what we have now, I mean, that 2017 line looked, even after some of the injuries later in the season, when we had some of the rotational people in instead, um, you know, like uh, Jeremiah Searles was starting uh, during the Miracle game at that point. Um, Hill was starting. I don't remember who else we had to rotate in, but yeah, we had some extra pieces in there, but they were all still functional and still were able to make that line work. Now we get rotational players in and you kind of have to hold your breath. And yeah. And you know, we have a new offensive line coach who's kind of been thrown into the job right now. Um, You know, and still, we only kept nine, and one of them, Christian Derisaw, is probably going to end up on injured reserve, at least for a little bit. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I don't want to say I'm excited to see what he can do, but I'm interested to see what he can do. I didn't think it was a bad pick. I know he wasn't your favorite. Um, no, he wasn't a bad pick. It's just he never he, he hasn't been able to actually show anything yet right right we haven't had a chance to see what he can do and my only problem with it was was that when we picked him we knew he was injured why would we willingly draft an injured player again and that's your your you know your frontline scouting department's got to know that they have you can see drafting a guy maybe if it's a minor thing that can be cleaned up pretty quickly but if they missed big on this injury I just it's a bad look. It's a bad look. He had him. surgery in January. That was before the draft. If it's something that's bad enough where you need a surgery on it, you probably want to wait and see how that works out before you decide to draft him in the first round. Yeah, they they whiffed. I, I, 
They obviously that's were. Why I was, that's why I was always more for Elijah Vera Tucker than I was for Darisaw. Strictly on his health. Correct. Well, maybe Darisaw in the long run will be a good pick. For the short run, it's not looking good right now. No. So we're a little um, thin on offense overall. There's only 24 offensive players on the final 53. And several of them probably will end up on IR. I count one, two, three out of those 24 that most likely are going to end up on IR for at least a short amount of time. You might see Abdullah come back. Yeah. I was surprised he didn't make the final 53 because Madison's banged up. And I swear, every week I end up having to say his name, but Kini Wangwu is probably going to end up on the injured reserve. Yeah, they, 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 they must like – there's something they like there. I mean, His speed, I think. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, he got banged up. But, yeah, so we have one fully healthy running back, and it's Delvin Cook. So cross your fingers there. I love Cook to death, but yeah, he hasn't stayed healthy a full season yet. Nope. Last year was his best season, and it, he missed a game and a half last season. Right. Um, Granted, now only a half of it was due to an injury. One was because his dad passed away. Right. Right. So we we had hope that we have hope that maybe the health issues won't be there, but you know we also know Dalvin's history and and. Every time he makes a cut, you, you're afraid he's going to go down. And that yes. scares me. Uh, Rose got cut. Yeah, I kind of was expecting that. If they tried sticking him on the practice squad, he wouldn't have made it through waivers anyway. No, no. So they just – and w- I guess it was just a numbers thing. But, boy, when you like you said, when you have your running backs, you have one healthy running back, and he's a guy with an injury history, that's – the decisions they made, I, I get it, but I don't get it. I'm glad we kept CJ Ham because I have a feeling we're going to be seeing some more of Ham. CJ Ham is great. I love CJ Ham. He's so underappreciated on this Just team. his story. Another one where he had to try out and like basically walk on to the Vikings. And he's just, he made himself phenomenal. He's, he's a Pro Bowl running back, fullback. And I yes. know Pro Bowl isn't the greatest thing, but it's still, he, he's still a really, really good fullback. He catches the ball out of the backfield. I love when they screen him the ball. He does, seems to get things done when he gets the ball in his hands. Um, right. And they don't call him the hammer for nothing. No. I mean, some of those hits that he lays on people. He's just, He's just such an important part of that offense, especially with an offensive line that has been suspect. To have him back there as an extra protection, you just feel better about it when he's in the game. I always do anyway. Uh, I think he's going to get a lot more snaps because he's going to have to probably be the extra blocker for a lot of the players. Oh, absolutely. I think he's going to really see some time this year. I think you're 100% on on that one. Uh, Our boy Hercules got cut. We saw that coming. Yeah, he hasn't made enough strides in, what, three years to actually make the team fully any of those years. And I think they called him up from practice squad one too many times. So 
he's it, it, I, I hate to see him go, and I don't know why. I just hate to see him go. It's the I, name. Maybe it's the name. And maybe it's those little flashes that we saw here and there. Like, boy, maybe if somebody could develop this guy, he'd be really good. But uh, numbers game, and he just didn't pan out. Uh, DePaula getting cut, our long snapper. Yeah, I'm not quite sure on that. We kind of need a long snapper. Um, yeah, I, I understand that maybe he was having some difficulties. Maybe that's where some of the punting problems were coming from because it didn't seem like it was coming all from Colquitt. Um, so perhaps a little long snapping issue. I mean, it's not going to happen, I'm sure, but uh, maybe we need to think about asking Kevin McDermott to unretire. I mean, I don't know who's going to do it. I'm just thinking, who is it going to be? That's not a bad idea. See what Kevin's up to. <laughs> right. Um, well, I mean, but granted, at least we didn't cut both of our kickers and have none going into week one. That's true. Um, although, a little scared about uh, our kicker, Joseph, and his problem with anything over 50 yards going wide one way or the other. I think he was wide right. But, yeah, um, they are, are over 50 yarders, so I guess we just have to work on getting a little closer. I don't know. They are, but I'm at the point now, like I watch games every Sunday. Kickers are out there making 50-plus yarders, Sarah. And right, they're the leg. I don't know, it seems like legs are stronger. Maybe it's because there are a lot more controlled environment games out there. But, right, although that one was in Kansas City, so it is outdoors, right? And that stadium does have some weird, like, not totally justifying it, but does have some kind of weird, like, wind things going on. Yeah, because that kick did look like it floated pretty hard, it took a pretty hard turn at the end, right. So I guess, I mean, because he made the ones indoors at U.S. Bank Stadium. So, I mean, that's a, a good starting place anyway. You're going to get eight games there indoors this year. Um, plus some plus the game in Detroit is indoors. Right. So and some other of our games are indoors. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be more games indoors than not. So you're right. We just have to get close on field goal attempts outdoors. Right. Just a little bit closer. I'm actually surprised back to this offensive lineup. We kept six wide receivers. Are we changing our offensive scheme? I mean, we only have three running backs. Well, two um, and a half kind of. And we have six wide receivers. Yeah, I noticed that. That's interesting. Unless they, I don't know, is anybody on, on that wide receiver group, someone who you might be able to slide into the backfield a little bit i don't know we've got dan chasina so mainly special teams i'm guessing um unless he showed a lot more in practice justin jefferson adam thielen obviously so there's one one a and one b we've got kj osborne who apparently improved but it's kind of hard not to after what would he look like last year uh dd westbrook who's coming off an injury and then Amir Smith-Marset, who at the beginning of preseason or in the middle of preseason was reportedly not able to play special teams or catch. So, Yeah, and I saw him listed on the depth chart as a kick returner too, so I don't know what's going to happen. He was doing him. better with that, but he's still not going to 
return a lot because he's not going to have the ability to decide whether he runs them out or not, like like a Marcus Sherrills or even Abdullah. They seem to be able to make that decision because they've been doing it enough with good results to be able to be trusted with that. It will be interesting to see what they do with all those wideouts. Osborne, from what I saw and the little bit I saw him, he really did look much better. Uh, Browning threw a couple of not-so-good passes that he made adjustments on and caught. In oh, yeah. Uh, well, anybody so, who can catch a pass from Browning and actually make it look good, I guess. Um, notice we finally got – well, BB got rid of himself because he got injured. Yeah, that one is just a, a straight-up – you're right. That's a straight-up injury luck. I think if he stayed healthy – I think he might have made the team if he stayed healthy. This is not his first brush with that injury, though. No. It was a foot, and he needs surgery on it now. Like, he's been banged up the last, at least the last preseason anyway, and almost didn't make the team, but then did somehow. And now he's hurt again, so. I never got the Chad Beebe thing. He made a couple of catches. Maybe that, that's another one of those. That he showed us enough promise to keep him around. He made a couple of he made a couple of important catches. I'm not gonna take that away from him. He well that one gets him. negated by muffing that punt horribly off his face mask, though. Yeah, I was just gonna talk about that. Yeah, that was bad. He's lucky. He's just lucky that Teddy Two Gloves was quarterback in the Panthers that day. Yes. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to rag on Teddy because Teddy's a good guy and he's got leadership qualities, but he had a wide open receiver in the back of the end zone and he just totally gacked it. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it was such yeah. a bailout. He bailed out the right. head so much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, that's what we got. Uh, we'll, we'll have to talk. We'll talk more next week about what we perceive as a possibility for maybe records and things uh, with this roster, because I still expect more roster changes with between now and next, our next show. Exactly. And next week is Bengals week. Like I said, this is the NFL's like, here's your preseason bye week, like figure out your team kind of thing. Yeah. And I kind of like, I like that idea. Honestly, I like that there's that break in between the last game and last preseason game and the, opener because they do need especially now with with guys who are getting signed that have been cut they you're gonna you have to give them a little time to learn something about the playbook even the basics of it right so it it makes sense to have a week in between Uh, although i do have to say the vast majority of the people that we would probably be bringing in uh, a good chunk of them already played for us at one point because i really think everson's going to come back i could be wrong but i really think with all the you know, kumbaya moments when he did come back that they'll do whatever they can to try to bring him back week one. But he already knows the playbook and he already was making an impact in the Kansas City game. Yeah, he looked good. The snaps he took, he looked very good. So I I think you're right. I think Everson's definitely back. Uh, Herndon's got to learn the playbook, but I mean, quite honestly, all he's got to learn how to do is block because they're not going to throw him the ball. Yeah. Now, defensive side, we kept 27. We're still a little light on defensive ends, but hopefully that'll get fixed when Everson comes back. 
And we kept Weatherly and Wanham. So I guess that ends that debate about who's going to get cut. Yeah, I thought one of them was going to go. I really expected one to be gone. And I was fairly surprised as well that they kept both of them. I'm surprised uh, we kept seven linebackers too. Yeah, it was, it was more, I mean, I wasn't shocked by any of the cuts other than Everson on defense, but it was, yeah, the, the number of guys they kept at certain positions. Now, maybe, I mean, do, do we figure we need like four linebackers to take Anthony Barr's place if he doesn't play week one or like we could have just kept like four or five. We're going to teach one of them how to be a nickel corner because we don't have one. Well, we have six corners, but yeah, you're you're actually. But we do have a nickel corner, Mackenzie Alexander. Mac, yeah, Mac's good. Uh, I I just I'm with you. I don't understand the alignment uh, unless maybe one of them can double as the end. I mean, I think a couple of them will probably play a special teams mostly. Yeah, at least I hope so. Because I mean, Ryan Connolly, um, Troy Die started to earn his place so I can see them working him in uh Blake Lynch Chaz Surratt I mean we didn't really see anything out of Nick Vigil because he was kind of being held out with the starters yeah but and I don't think Anthony Barr is really going to miss that much time it kind of goes back to some of the stuff I jotted down about the injuries um ever we we were thinking it was maybe his pack and <clears throat> excuse me lingering issues from his surgery and but now I'm hearing that it's most likely a, kind of a chronic knee thing that he's had because he had the meniscus repair surgery in 2014, his rookie year. And it sounds like anyway that they did that partial repair surgery instead of the full um, at that point. And so now he every so often misses chunks of training camp time in successive years to rehab his knee, um, but doesn't actually miss any playing time. So I'm kind of thinking that that's what they were doing with him was holding him out. Cause he was practicing at the beginning. He's in a lot of the videos, like working with Kendricks and uh, with Hitman and that sort of thing. They're all like hanging out. So he was actually out there doing some of the warmups, but, or, you know, the workouts and things. But lately, he's been riding an exercise bike and not participating in the the team drills. So I think just an abundance of caution to try to not overstress the knee. So I'm hoping he's ready for week one. We're, I think we're going to need him. May, we, I mean, they might be okay to get through the Bengals game without him. But, yeah, we got to get But him not back. past that, yep. No, no. The Bengals game, they could sneak by, but no, after in week two, we got to get them back. Uh, so much left to go in terms of roster. The, the cut to 53 is just not, you know, not the be all end all. And we all know that. So I can't wait to see how the roster shapes up for week one. And we will talk about that part next week. Uh, I'm ready to talk about our game from the past. And normally I l- fill you in on what it's going to be but I didn't this week. I kept it a secret. Um, so I hope you liked the game I chose for Valhalla back. Uh, I went back to October 9th of 2016 and it's a game against the Texans. 
Okay. Uh, the Vikings with 11, just about 11 minutes left in the first quarter scored uh, on a Bradford to Adam Thielen, 36 yard pass. It was a beauty. I saw the replay. I watched the highlights of it. It was pretty pass. Then about five minutes later, your favorite former Viking running back, Matt Asiata. We only <laughs> needed a yard. He got the yard for the touchdown. So went to 14 to nothing after the first uh, with just about 10 minutes to play in the first half. Blair Walsh made a 19-yard field goal. Uh, obviously, it was indoors, and there was no weather to deal with, so he made it with no problem. And then only 72 seconds later, another of our favorite former Vikings, Marcus Sherrills, took a punt back 79 yards, and Vikings went up 24 to nothing. Now, with 542 left in the half, Nick Novak made a 38-yarder for the Texans, and then he hit another one later in the half uh, from 30 yards out. So it was 24-6 at the half. Nobody scored in the third, but within the first minute of the fourth quarter, Bradford hit Cordero Patterson from nine yards out. And that was a great grab too, uh, in, in traffic. Uh, the Vikings uh, would give up a touchdown to uh, when Brock Osweiler hit DeAndre Hopkins from a yard out at the end of the game. It was just a window dressing touchdown. And the Vikings won the game 31-13. Osweiler for the Texans was 18 for 42, 184 yards. He threw a touchdown and an interception. Their top rusher was Alfred Blue, 39 yards on six carries. Uh, the team only had 57 yards on the ground in the game. Uh, Houston's top receiver was C.J. Fedorowicz. Great name. He had six yes. yards on four catches. Now for the Vikings, Bradford, 22 of 30, 271 yards, two touchdowns. Top running back, Matt Asiata, 55 yards <laughs> on 14 carries in the game. Vikings only ran for 97 in the game total. And then Adam Thielen led all the receivers, 127 yards, that great touchdown and seven catches. Uh, the defensive standout in the day for the Vikings, you're going to love this name, Andrew Sendeo, five tackles and, and the INT. The reason, the reason I chose this game, a couple of reasons actually. This was the second time that the Vikings played the Texans ever. And it was their first time at home. They beat them. The Vikings have only played Houston five times ever. And that's the fewest matchups that we have against any team. The Vikings in those games are five and oh. Wow. This game also marked the Vikings record going to five and oh on the season. Mm -hmm. We know what happened after that. Right. They lost the next four. They only won three of their final eight or three of their final 11 and finished the season eight and eight and did not make the playoffs. So that is right. this week's Valhalla back segment. I believe it was also Marcus Sherrill's final punt return touchdown because he had five in his career. And I think the last one was 2016. That would, that was probably be accurate. I don't think he had another one that season. So uh, I, that may be it. I love when I can find clips of the games to watch because yeah. you know, it's, it's fun to relive them. And I did find the fine highlights of it and the punt return Cheryl's had, it was just like straight up the gut got past the first line and you knew there was nobody going to catch him. It wasn't yeah. screwing around. He just took it straight up the gut and took off. It was amazing. So that's our segment. Is there anything else you want to add on that 
bad game. I, I wanted to pick, I wanted to keep it secret because I didn't know what I was going to do. When I found this game and the, the players who were featured for the Vikings, it just kind of fit perfectly. Right. Yeah, that's that was a pretty good game. Uh, unfortunately, the season kind of fell apart after that week because um, we had our bye and then we played the Eagles. And like you said, the rest is history. Um, nothing about that game. Just a couple other little things um, that I jotted down. Um, you know, everyone's thinking about New Orleans after the hurricane. Uh, hopefully they can. excuse me, get their power back. Um, And it doesn't take, you know, a month or whatever they're guessing right now. And also if anyone is listening in Minnesota or a big like Minnesota fan, uh, WCCO reporter, uh, sports journalist, Mark Rosen's wife, uh, Denise, passed away this week from glioblastoma. Um, So there's a that up there so just wanted to kind of give a shout out to mark rosen um and anyone who's a fan of his two very good shout outs two very good shout outs there i appreciate you bringing both of those up uh yeah what happened down in you know louisiana mississippi and anybody in the path of ida it was just to, to have to go through that once in a lifetime is more than enough and a lot of those people that was their second time around 16 years to the day it just yeah yeah just the fact that it was 16 years to the day and then it was even a stronger hurricane than Katrina yeah and it seems on the surface like they were spared for the most part I shouldn't say spared obviously there's a lot of devastation but it doesn't sound like the devastation was as bad as Katrina no I don't know that for sure. Yeah. I mean, it does sound like there's a couple of the levees that didn't quite hold up. But again, this hurricane was a whole category stronger when it hit land. Um, So they may have, there's only so much reinforcement they can do. So they may have built the levees to withstand a category three, like Katrina, whereas Ida hit land as a category four. So the winds were at least 50 miles an hour stronger. That means the storm surge is a lot higher. So that could be why some of the smaller levees did break still. I just, I feel so bad for those people. And I I hope they can get there, get everything cleaned up again and get back to life as they know it sooner than later. Uh, Our hearts, our prayers go out to all of these folks, uh, I have, we have friends down there and most of them thankfully were spared any major damage, but I know a lot of people have had just awful damage off. They're going to have to rebuild their lives. And I, I can't imagine what that's like. I just hope all goes well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this is a tough segue out of that. But you're right. I had one too, but I wasn't sure how to segue. So <laughs> uh, we segue out of it a difficult spot with uh, our get to know the host segment. And since I took up all the time with Valhalla back, do you have your question ready, Sarah, for me? I do. 
one last point and then I'll ask my question. Sure. Uh, last point is we also extended Harrison Smith. How could I forget that one? Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, I'm happy. I know we're going to, a lot of the, we saw this already people posting like, Oh, another old man getting an extension. Oh, he'll be gone next year. Yeah. Yeah. He's useless. I kept, I, I saw the useless thing too. It's like, do you watch the games? Have you paid attention? Right. But for now, anyway, um, you know, and our capologist is amazing and like a complete financial wizard. Uh, for now, Harrison Smith is signed until through the 2025 season. And how does a future Hall of Famer Ring of Honor member celebrate? Cookies. Cookies. Uh, the Cookies. <laughs> And didn't he give the breakdown of the cookie on top of it? Yes. He likes sugar cookies or chocolate chip. Cookies. Harrison Smith with cookies. Yes. His <laughs> wife brought him cookies. I just thought that was fantastic. And of course, some of the comments when they saw it was cookies were funny, inappropriate, yes. but funny. And I, I put a couple out there myself. Yeah. Um, well, the way it was worded didn't really help with that very much especially with the, his wife bringing him cookies part of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the world we live in. <laughs> yes. Mine's in the gutter immediately, but yes, we're very happy that number 22 will stay Viking. Um, at least in the near future, we'll see if he goes all the way through 2025. That would be amazing. Um, and then he could retire with a, a very long productive career. Um, he's already got most of Troy Palomalu's numbers beat. Um, he only needs a, a few more numbers in a couple of categories in order to actually beat all of those records in, in less time as well. Um, and Troy Palomalu, as we all know, just made the Hall of Fame. And, so. and, and Palomalu, for what is he was he just gave a great speech. I was... I enjoyed watching him get inducted. Uh, my brother is a big Steelers fan. Uh, D is a huge Steelers fan. So we watched his induction and it was fantastic. And his children have his hair and I'm jealous. <laughs> and we have one of his relatives, Kennedy Palomalu, coaching the Vikings. That's right. So it's a good tie. It's a good tie-in. I think Harry's should get in. I think he gets a gold jacket. I don't think anything could keep him out. Uh, when he finally decides to get, call it a career, there should be no question that Harrison Smith is a Hall of Famer. And I would love to go the day he gets inducted years from now. Yes. I want yeah, if he makes it all the way through 2025 season, then he'd be eligible in like 2030. Yeah. Something like that. So uh, I'll, be, I'll be close to retirement by then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my question for you, okay, which good. kind of is appropriate between uh, with you and D, is for you to describe your dream wedding if money was no object. Oh, I love this. And she's going to love hearing this. Uh, <laughs> we want a beach wedding. So our dream would be a beach wedding. Uh, and I think she'd be happy if like Shinedown played at it. Since money's no object. So we'll get Shinedown to play at the wedding. 
Uh, but it would be a small group of people, you know, our immediate families, some close friends. We're older and we're not old. We're older. I say that <laughs> so we don't need the big, you know, blowout wedding with hundreds and hundreds of guests and all that. We just want something nice and intimate. So a beach wedding with Shinedown playing at it would probably be our favorite wedding. And what, you know, what beach would we go to? Well, currently we would stay away from Florida and, and I, yeah. I'm sorry, Florida, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, you guys are a little, it's a little sketchy down there right now. Just, just saying, you know, I don't, don't want to come home with COVID as a wedding gift. Um, right. But I mean, just like a, I can see like a white sandy beach with clear blue water in the background. I think that would be our, our perfect wedding. And when she hears this, I'll ask her and then I'll report back to you to see if I hit it right. Okay. But that's a great question. Now, what would yours be though? Um, well, I'm older as well. Um, and even though I'm not really religious anymore, I still think my dream wedding would be a big old fashioned, like cathedral church wedding with the dress, with a long train, uh, at the church that I grew up going to with my grandma in my hometown. I think that that's, nice. yeah, what I'd like to have and just, you know, flowers, um, I love roses and obviously my favorite colors are purple and gold. So to incorporate that in a little bit in like the flower design, that sort of thing. Um, they have some gorgeous like dark purple roses and some yellow ones. Uh, those would be, would be great. And then, like I said, like the white dress with a long train, something that can convert to a, a shorter dress to be able to dance at the reception without like tripping on it. And uh, just friends and family, um, it would end up being a small gathering uh, just because there's not that many of us left um, as far as family goes. But yeah, that would be my dream wedding. See, I don't come in. I I'm terrible with details. You got you got into the flowers and everything. Like, as I think about it, we probably <laughs> want, want Gerber daisies. And I'll tell you a quick story about Gerber daisies. The First time I ever got D flowers, I didn't know what to get her. And I ordered her Gerber daisies because I liked the look of the flower. I looked at it. That looks like a nice flower. Her favorite flower. And again, I didn't know this is a Gerber daisy. Oh, wow. And, and it was a plant and the plant has bloomed several times since I got it for her. She still has it. So I guess flowers would probably be uh, Gerber daisies and whatever other flowers she would want to have. But I, I don't think about stuff like that. I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a guy, but it's just like I can give you a couple of details, but I don't get down into like deep details like that. Like the food, yeah. I would think the way we are, we'd want like wings and jalapeno poppers as our food, you know, kind of thing. We're not. So it'd be a tailgate pretty much. Yeah, we're not fancy people like we don't we don't live to be fancy. I like a good steak. She likes a good steak, too, but. We just like basic foods. Like we we would want it like perfect a tailgate on the beach and then tailgate afterwards. You know we'd have a good time. Maybe some Alaskan king crab legs. You know, boiled up and 
stuff like that. It would be just a good time. We just want to have a good time with, with our close friends. I liked your question. I really appreciate that question. Now I'm ready to get married, which I have been for a while, but we can't seem to get any planning done. But now it's time for your question, and then we will wrap up for the night. All right. Now, in your entire life, I want to know up to now, your favorite ever meal that you've had in a restaurant up to right now. Like, you, you will remember the meal forever. It was the greatest meal you ever had. Favorite ever meal. Um, I would have to say the first time I went to Manny's Steakhouse in Minneapolis. It's a very nice restaurant. So I do um, recommend it highly if you're ever in Minneapolis for a game or whatever. It's right downtown. It's an awesome atmosphere. And they've got like high top tables with red and white checkered tablecloths uh, for the smaller groups. And they'll bring out a cart with all of the different steak options so you can see the cuts of meat and uh, what they look like and everything before you choose your uh, your steak. And they've also got lobsters. Now, unfortunately for me, they're still alive when they bring them over to show you the lobsters. So I didn't really like that part so much. Um, but usually I stick with steak anyway. And it's ex- an expensive meal. So it's definitely something you kind of have to plan ahead for. Um, but they have baked potatoes the size of the side plate and they bring you like a carousel with different toppings you can put on the uh, baked potato and you can get other sides as well if you want mashed potatoes instead or french fries and they've got vegetables all sorts of things that you can get um, and then the dessert I ended up having a prime rib which was literally the size of the dinner plate <laughs> it it made three meals for me. So it actually turned out to be quite worth the cost of the dinner. Um, And then for dessert, I had a Bailey's cream cake. It's chocolate cake with whipped cream made from Bailey's. And it's super rich. And also they serve a giant portion. So again, it makes like two or three portions of dessert. That was probably my favorite meal anywhere that I've been. And I've been on cruises, I've been to Europe, um, but that actually just for the amount of food and the value, even though it's an expensive meal and the quality of the the food was my favorite meal at a restaurant. Oh, that sounds so good. Like from start to finish, that sounds fantastic. I'm big on the baked potato. I want my baked potato to be huge too. So that works. The cake sounds like something Dee would really enjoy. I think I would too, but I think that's something she, she could get behind. So now I'm hungry and it's 11 o'clock at night on this end of the country and I'm hungry. <laughs> that's what you get for asking about food. How, what was oh, your favorite meal? <laughs> my favorite one also involves steak. Big surprise. <laughs> and it shouldn't be of no surprise where I had it to anybody who knows me. Uh, had that list there at Epcot Center. Okay. And it 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 was a maple glazed filet mignon. Ooh. I know. It was fantastic. The salad had a raspberry vinaigrette dressing on it. Again, I got the baked potato, good size baked potato. 
And for dessert, now I don't think I had dessert. I was full. But my kids got these s'mores that were next level s'mores. Like they came out, the big marshmallow was on a skewer and the gram was huge, monstrously big with, they had like marshmallow on it, but then a marshmallow on a skewer on the end of it that was roasted and chocolate, you know, chocolate oozing off the sides. I said it was perfect. Like every piece of that meal from start to finish to me was absolutely perfect. And I will always remember it. And it's been years since I've had it. I've had good steaks since then, but the meal plus the atmosphere really made it for me. So the best and most memorable meal I've ever had was at Les Salaires at Epcot Center. And thankfully that was when they turned over to being a steakhouse because they weren't before that. They were just, uh, yeah, it was, it, it, I don't know exactly what year it turned into a steakhouse, but I'm glad they did turn it into a steakhouse. It was just like a family style restaurant at one point. And then they went full on steakhouse and they do a fantastic job with it. So that's my favorite of all time. I'm hoping that somebody will beat it, but right now it's, it's the leader in the clubhouse. So now that we've made our audience incredibly hungry. <laughs> yeah, it's time to call it a night. I, this is a, a good episode at all. I always have a good time doing these. Um, next week, there's nothing to talk about game-wise, but we have plenty to talk about. Uh, I'm, like I said, there'll probably be more roster moves. And we, we can start doing predictions for the games, which is going to be fun. Uh, we'll see what we think about uh, the upcoming opponents. And we're hoping to get guests, and we didn't get any questions this week from our listeners, so we really hope to get some of those soon. Uh, as the season goes, I think we're going to get a nice flow to this show. Uh, when we start picking our stars of the game, it's going to be fun, too. I look forward to that part. Like I said, I look forward to talking about the Vikings every week, and I love our question segment. I like getting to know uh, us, our listeners get to know us, and then we get to know each other a little bit more, and that's always fun, too. Um, and we get to speculate about the game next week is technically Bengals week. Yes, it is. And you will have the Valhalla back ready. I'm sure you'll have a good one. Yes. Already prepping it now. So that's that's what I like to hear. Um, final thoughts, Sarah, before we call it an evening. Um, no, just hopefully there, there's a few roster additions I would very much like to see. So we'll just keep an eye on the the Twitter and the news and see who comes back or who comes to the team, um, what we can do with them to make the season work. I like it. Um, Yeah, I I just, again, tomorrow we start school. So uh, I actually have to get to bed early. Well, not early. I'm going to get to bed quickly after this is over because we have an early day tomorrow as school starts. I always like to say good night to D when we sign off. So I am saying my, my good night to, to D and, and anybody who has been listening to me at other shows and starts listening to this D is my fiance. And hopefully uh, we'll get this marriage thing together soon. So I don't have to call her my fiance anymore, <laughs> but uh, she's very supportive of the podcast and she listens and I appreciate her so much for doing that. So, and to all the listeners, everybody, as we, hopefully build an audience here. Uh, We look forward to doing this all season. I hope everybody has a good night. And again, our folks down 
down in the Gulf. I hope you guys recover quickly from Ida. We are thinking of you. We're praying for you always. Have a good night, everyone. Good night.